a skidamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skidamarinkity-doo-hoo. This is episode 13 of the Entrepreneur Now podcast, and I am so happy that you get to join me today for our fantastic guest, Jacob Sesney, a saxophone maniac. He's played with so many big names in so many amazing places, including Seth MacFarlane, Warren Hill, Casey Abrams, Robin Ford, the list goes on and on, and I'm just super pumped to have Jacob on. He's only 21 years old. Can you believe that? I bet you can't, but you better believe that. Believe that, man. So I wanted to start this particular episode out by playing a clip of our guest today, Jacob, basically at the Warren Hill Sax Summit, just shredding up the saxophone. I mean, let's let's be honest. It should be called a saxophone. And so I'm going to get right into that right now, and then we'll get in with the interview. So I hope you all enjoy this because it is unbelievable. So there you have it, a little teaser of Jacob's talents, shred session in the books. If you want to listen to or watch that full uh, session, you can get on the show notes on artsynow.com forward slash 13, and I will post that video pronto. The earth has music for those who listen. William Shakespeare. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stickity stickity riggity diggity beat. Here we go now. Who wants to get funky? Who wants to get a little creative out there? Which one of you want to get a little bit artsy now? Get on with your bad self. Saxon up the city of Los Angeles, California. The city might be big, but it's not big enough for him. He's all over the world. He dominates the sax, the clarinet, the keys, and the flute. He's a composer, he's an arranger, and he knows how to make those little girls cry. This interview is about to get super funky with Jacob Sesney. Jacob, you are the entrepreneur now. What's going on, my man? How am I supposed to follow that intro? That was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, they, they come and go. You got one of the better ones. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, Jacob, you know, thank you so much for being a part of this show. I'm not sure that anyone can really do the saxophone justice like Jacob does. It's unreal. Uh, he's been all over the world playing with so many huge names. Uh, you know, Warren Hill, Casey Abrams, Robin Ford. Uh, just to name a few, in, in some of the sexiest places on earth uh, at such a young age. How old are you? Are you like 23? 21, actually. 21. Man, that is crazy. 
And your accomplishments are really unreal, man. So, I mean, there's there's a ridiculous video of you performing at the at Warren's Sack Summit that I watched earlier today. Just nah. slaying it. Oh man, it's like forty five <laughs> seconds of. I, I brought my girlfriend in here and made her watch it. Uh, it it was nothing but smiles, and I'll be posting that video in the show notes. And I, I, I've seen you know I've seen you in pictures with you know, William Shatner. Charles yeah. Lloyd, I checked out your Instagram. Marcus Anderson, Wynton Marsalis, uh, hell, even Tara Patrick. And I don't know how you did that one, but you need to sh- <laughs> you need to share how you pulled that one off, man. <laughs> yeah, man, I got stories. That's yeah, funny. yeah. And you've been on a few TV appearances as well, I think, right? Yeah, with uh, the TV show Glee. Yeah, that's a big you show. Can, yeah. You can see me in the the band in the background for a few episodes. Stevie doing Stevie Wonder songs and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and search for that. Yeah. So I'm sure that every time a girl leaves your show, she has to go change her clothes. And then there's a brief argument between her and her boyfriend. So, you know, how does that feel being a home wrecker? <laughs> oh, man, it's 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 fun, man. The, the road is a uh, interesting place and all the stories that you hear about it are very uh, true. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, who do you think the biggest name that you've ever played with is? Hmm. It's it's crazy. In in a popular world sense, in LA it changes. You know, I got to play with Seth MacFarlane once oh, in Los wow. Angeles, which was really cool. But in a musical sense, in in the jazz world, I guess Christian Scott would probably be one of the bigger ones, along with the Bad Plus. In very like cool the rock and roll sense, you know, it's Robin Ford or someone like that. So I guess it just kind of changes depending on the setting and the genre. Yeah, man. Awesome. I was just wondering that before we got into anything. So, well, <clears throat> we like to start the show off with a little segment we call the Breezy Threes because we want the audience to get to know your creative side a little bit, okay? Mm-hmm. So, who would you say that you, or what would you say your three favorite creative works are? Mm. Give me albums, uh, arts, books, whatever. Gotcha. Uh, I'll start off with this book that um, I'm absolutely in love with. It's called Hopscotch. And it's originally uh, a book in Spanish entitled Rayuela. It's by this Argentinian writer named Julio Cortaza. And what he did essentially to sum up a very you know broad work, he took, I don't know if you ever read those Goosebumps books when you were a kid. but you could, <laughs> Every you could single take, one of them. Yeah. You know how you could take multiple uh, paths and end up with different endings and stuff? Yeah. Imagine a very deep philosophical book but nothing too strident that goes along that same idea you know you can read the book cover to cover and it's an absolutely incredible genius literary work but then he also wrote many different ways you can navigate the same book and have totally different endings and outcomes by reading the same material wow man i haven't even thought about that since goosebumps i'm gonna have to check that out for sure hopscotch huh yeah, I literally, it's one of those books that I read a sentence and then you have to kind of go on a walk and kind of think about life. <laughs> I guess that's a, a fitting name for it too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, also, I guess in a musical sense, uh, Charlie Parker was always a big hero of mine. He's a jazz musician, inventor of uh, bebop. You know, he lived a very short life, died at 34 because of a... Uh, excessive drug use his whole life but an absolute genius man and it's crazy when you meet old you know old-fashioned jazz musicians who actually got to experience him the stories they have you know stories of him being passed out high on heroin 
you know, and then when a solo comes along, just jumping up, playing a genius solo, then going right back to sleep, kind of stuff like that, you know. (laughs) Sounds like some Miles Davis stuff. Exactly. And to hear that there's like these kind of Mozart minds that are just total geniuses put into human bodies and human situations, those are always pretty inspiring. And uh, third, I guess right now there's an album by a pianist named Tigran Hamasian. He's 26, and it's a solo piano album, and it's called A Fable. And he's a real genius in my opinion. He mixes Armenian folk music and melodies with uh, jazz, and I guess that's all I can really sum up about that. But he's a wow. total house. Super interesting. I'm going to have to check out all of that. <laughs> but who, who do you think your three biggest role models or influences are? Hmm. Uh, Charlie Parker, I can definitely say that one. Uh, beyond that, I can't really think of, I mean, stuff that is influenced me and stories that I like, I guess you could say are my influences. I, it's kind of weird, but Link from The Legend of Zelda has always been a influence, I feel like. It's a video game <laughs> character. Uh, I'm a nerd like that. And, you know, I can't really give you a third one. So I got to say, yeah, Charlie Parker and Link. We'll give Charlie two two of the three answers. There you go. What are the top three items on your creative bucket list? Ooh, ah, uh, man, that's kind of crazy because in the last year and a half, I've honestly knocked out so many things from my bucket list. <laughs> that's what we love to hear. Just uh, let everybody know that it is possible to knock those items off your bucket list. So possible. Uh, there's a lot of countries that are, even as a touring musician, you don't, really get to go to a lot, or at least within Western music. Uh, I would love to go to Tehran in Iran. Uh-huh. I would love to go to Armenia a lot. I would really love to go there. Uh, I want to go to Kiev. I want to go to Budapest, you know, countries that are more off the map for Western music. My, my girlfriend's family is actually from Tehran. So uh, if you decide you want to make the trip out there, I think we might have to tag along. Man, it's crazy. I actually play with one of the uh, top pop artists in Iran. Uh, I just got back from Canada with him a week and a half ago. His name's Shadmer Aghali. Hmm. And him, Ebi, and Gagush are like the top three Iranian you know, musicians. So if I'm ever in your area, and once again, doing a show, I can totally get you guys in for that. Oh, man, that, that would be fantastic. And we had a, uh, a Hollywood director on this show about two weeks ago, and he was actually born in, in, I think up until about six or seven years old, he was in Iran. Uh, and he's, his, his new movie is called The Freemason, and it stars uh, Sean Astin, which is Samwise G from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And uh, the director was Sarab Mirmont, uh, but he, it was a pretty cool interview too, man. So, you know, what are you doing right now? Are you touring? Are you recording? Um... Right now, I'm just giving this awesome interview that I've looked forward to my whole life, you know. But uh, actually, today's kind of been an easy day. I've been kind of going and going the last three weeks since before I went to Canada. I'm getting ready to fly out tomorrow to do a show in Kettering, Ohio with Casey Abrams, you know, pop artist. Yeah, American Idol, right? Yeah, uh, and I actually knew him before that. It's kind of one of those crazy, you know, everyone knows someone who goes on to do something really big. Yeah. And that's kind of the way that was for me. But, you know, today I'm just taking the day off, kind of getting my saxophone chops back in working order and, uh, you know, getting ready for a pretty busy summer. I saw my uh, 
total side note, but kind of really inspirational to me, is I saw Bruno Mars uh, last Saturday at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> and my friend's a sax player, and I was talking to him because their schedule is crazy. They just went to Europe and Australia and all these places for yeah. three months. And now they're touring throughout America until, you know, August like 2nd. And it's just crazy. I was thinking today about how lucky I am because he's got a wife and family and stuff. And not saying those aren't, you know, great things to have or that you can live musical fulfilling lives with, you know, with them. But it was just for me to think about being away from like a family or a kid for three months was like a crazy idea. So I guess I'm just today is kind of a day I'm relaxing and taking advantage of the fact that I am a lone wolf. Yeah. Yeah, me too, man. I, I find myself in situations like that all the time, and I'm like, wow. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what, would, what it would be like either, but, uh, you know, it's crazy. So I don't like to use the term, well, before I say this, did you learn any dance moves from Bruno Mars? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of actually, Mar- <laughs> he's an inspiration to learn how to dance because I know they have to do a <laughs> lot of, they have to do a lot of dancing on that gig. If you look on YouTube, the full hour and a half live shows it's pretty crazy yeah man it is crazy and i'm trying to be i've been trying to figure out how to get my hair to look like his for a while now too but i've just got <laughs> this straight white boy hair that doesn't want to do anything with it uh. <clears throat> so i don't like to, to use the term natural gift because i feel like you know everyone has to work really hard behind the scenes to create the talent but man you might actually have a, a natural gift and I know you've obviously put so much time and effort into building your career and to propel you to where you are today, but can you tell us about the moment, you know, where it finally hits you that you were probably going to be doing, you know, this stuff for the rest of your life? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's kind of one of those things with me. I started music lessons when I was three or four, you know, mm-hmm. um, there was like a deal around town here in Ojai where you could get piano lessons for 45 minutes and then a half an hour break and then drum lessons in the same studio for another 45 minutes. So I started with that. So music for me has always kind of been, you know, you breathe air, you drink water, you eat food, you sleep, you play music. It's like one of those things, you know, you always do it. Um, As for when I decided I want to make it a profession or a career, hmm, my first time I ever performed live was when I was 11, and that was when I sat in with a group locally. But uh, I guess a big inspiration for me in seeing how much joy music brought people was, uh, you know, Tom and Jerry. I used to always love the music from that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when I was in junior high, I was playing clarinet, and uh, the high school jazz band came by and played a concert or like a few songs at our concert. And a saxophone player stood up and played a solo. And the whole auditorium just erupted with, you know, people cheering and stuff. And I was in like an orchestra setting. There's like 30 other clarinet players. And so I kind of looked around and I was like, you know, I kind of want that, that power to make people happy like that, you know. And I didn't see a, much of a future with the setting I was in and that being a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, being blended in there you got out of there and now you're in the front row aren't you <laughs> i'm hogging the spotlight as much as possible <laughs> what was it like that first time when you were 11 that first live performance how did that feel hmm i don't know everyone was so positive and so happy and so supportive it felt like i couldn't do any wrong 
and, you know, even though I was young, I had some kind of sense of, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to run me out as a kid and, you know, throw me overboard or something. So it's kind of like one of those fearless, well, I can't really fail, so I might as well try to impress people as much as possible. Yeah, I got you. Um, so when you were a kid, you know, you, you kind of had this feeling you were going to be a musician. Was there anything else that you ever wanted to be? I, th I feel like I kind of went through the normal stuff that everyone wants to be. You know, we all go through a few days where we're thinking about being a doctor, you know, astronaut, all those things. But uh, when I did decide to do music, it was kind of really just that. I never really focused on anything else. And, you know, as I've grown up and realizing there is a business to this and all those things, uh, I've had to change my skill sets. I've had to add, you know, different things on, different instruments, different, you know, qualifications and whatnot. But uh, for the most part, yeah, once I decided music, it was kind of this is what I'm going with and sticking with it. Yeah. So we know you make money in playing gigs and touring with bands and doing your own thing, but are there any other ways that you create revenue for yourself? Yeah. Um, I'm always thinking about that too. Uh, I arrange for artists. So say there's some people at a wedding and they want a string quartet to play Harry Potter's theme song. So I'll get commissioned to do that. And the great thing about, you know, the world we live in now in between, you know, Skype and PayPal in this cool website called Fiverr and all of the you know electronic equipment is someone can contract me for something and I can get the job done and I can send it back to them via Dropbox and they can PayPal me and we can never you know probably cross paths our entire life. <laughs> so yeah, that, uh, that's the beauty of the internet, man. There's so much opportunity right in front of everybody and it just takes a little bit of time to sit down and figure out what is right for you individually and yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Well, what's speaking of crazy? What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you on tour? Give us, give us a good story. Huh. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, being, uh, uh, I guess, growing up near LA, I guess I always had saxophone players, teachers that were from LA, and you know, tons of crazy experiences. And my all, oh, I can add this on to my hero list. Uh, there's a guy named Eric Marienthal. I would say he's my third biggest hero. He's still a giant hero of mine. You know, he started playing with Chick Corea when he was 25, and he's still been touring nonstop, and he's like 56 now, and he's just the greatest guy. And he always lived a very calm lifestyle on the road, you know, never went out and partied too much, didn't stay out till four in the morning, ate healthy. You know, I'm shooting for longevity. I want to be like him kind of thing, so... As for road stories, I wouldn't say I have too many crazy road stories. You know, when we play bars and stuff or when we're done with the show, yeah, it's time to have fun and I'll do that. But I can't really think of anything fun that doesn't end up with me feeling very sick the next morning eating fast food. <laughs> uh, those are still fun to uh, share, though. <laughs> yeah. If I I'll think of one, know. I'll let you know. You probably don't remember most of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what do you think your ultimate long-term goal is? You know, where do you see yourself in the future? Well, while I'm younger, I have always wanted to do, going back to the bucket list idea, uh, you know, a pop gig. Like a big-name pop gig would be cool, you know, like a Bruno Mars kind of thing. He's honestly one of my favorite uh, entertainers out there right now. Just kind of, you know, getting as many big names under my belt as possible. Because in the jazz world, 
you know, you can you have to be among the very, very top echelon to be doing like arenas and stadiums. So, you know, stuff that Bruce Springsteen sees every single day, an artist, you know, like Brad Meldow will still see, but it'll be, you know, maybe once every few months kind of thing. So while I'm young and have the energy for that, it would be nice to do that. And on a total financial note, that's a, it would help pay the bills because my whole life I don't want to be doing pop gigs and being a sideman. You know, I do work on my own artistic projects, but there's nothing I've done so far that I feel comfortable enough to for that to be, you know, my flotation device. So while I'm honing my artistic, you know, product and all that stuff, it's nicer to uh, shoot for those larger gigs where perhaps I'm more, you know, replaceable. But at the same time, you know, can still make a big name for myself. All calm before the storm. Yeah. Do you have any habits that you have developed that you've put into place to kind of stay focused on that long-term goal? Ooh, that's a great question. I really love this question. Um, Practicing-wise and stuff, I'll be entirely honest, no. Um, When it's come to music and just my improving at it, like doing long tones or scales and stuff, yes, I did all those and I still do all those. But as for anything that's super consistent, uh, I'm going to be the devil's advocate and saying no. But musically, actually kind of going with that thought process of how I'm going to make it. I would say that's the most consistent thing I've ever had. And probably the number one thing I would say that's led me to any sort of success is, um, you know, like I said, musician, doctor, astronaut, these are all pretty common things that we all think about as our career choice at one point or another. And so I would look at people older than me because, you know, Ohio is a small town and people leave, but they'll come back and stuff. And I would see kids who would be like 10 years older than me who had the same dreams, but for some reason or another would come back and do a job at, you know, Starbucks or be doing this, something very far departed from their original dream. So that I realized very young that that whole carrot on a stick idea is exactly that. You know, there's a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of landmines. You can act in your own self-interest a lot. But if you want to actually go for that carrot, you have to be very clever in how you're going to go about it and learn from other people's mistakes because a lot of time, just one mistake will kind of kill you. Yeah, man. It's all about just getting up and, and going at it again and failing forward, you know, as I like to say. But you've obviously had so much success in I really do want to swing that way and talk about failure for a second because, you know, we get noticed because of our success, but we create them on the back of our failures, really. And, you know, there are some people that go through and don't have very many problems at all and everything just flows perfect. But for the, you know, the reality, 99.9% of us, we have to go through these pitfalls and we learn best from our experiences where it doesn't work out. And yet we really only discuss the times that it does. So, Can you tell us about a failure that you have been able to learn from and how it has changed your process moving forward? Definitely. Um, I guess my junior and senior year, I went to this school called the Idlewild Arts Academy. Uh, I was very fortunate to get a scholarship to go there and afford to be able to have that experience. But when you go to an art school like that, you know, a lot of students who are your peers, uh, their financial situation is a lot, you know, better, very different from yours. So when senior year came rolling around, you know, it's a very small school, so everyone kind of knows or gets announced to where everyone else is going. 
And uh, a lot of the kids, you know, were going to art schools, you know, schools in New York, Chicago, Boston, XYZ. And uh, I always wanted to go to some schools. I won't say their names, but, you know, the, the normal music schools in New York and Boston, whose uh, tuition is well over 50 grand a year. Uh, I made it into them, but I didn't get the scholarship I needed to go there. And it was, you know, when you live in that mindset that you have to go on this predestined path to make it in your field and you, you know, fail kind of early on towards that, it really is pretty uh, depressing. But, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, that actually turned out to be my saving grace because me staying in L.A. and just deciding to network my tail off and save so much time, I can't think honestly, not to brag, but I can't think of one person who's gone on that predestined path of going to a four-year music school and all this stuff that's gotten to do the amount of cool stuff that I have, you know, in the last year. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess that was a big down. That was a big downfall for me. I was very depressed uh, upon graduating, knowing that I wasn't going to go to a big, you know, private music school out in the East Coast and live that life. Yeah, man, it's very cool that you say that. I had a recent guest on, and she actually started a fitness company, but it's on poles, you know, like pole fitness. And she got scammed into purchasing this uh, pole fitness business from this lady and it ended up just being a total scam and she found herself sleeping on an air mattress with nothing and just thought everything was over but she decided to let all of that anger and and uh you know unfortunate events go in her head and now she's turned it into like i think she's had 700 girls come through her classes and she's starting to franchise the businesses out to other places so it's pretty crazy wow yeah so you know the fact that you stayed there even though you thought that, you know, you got that big kick in the stomach and it all turned out okay and you just kept working at it. And it's it's amazing the things that can happen when you start networking. Uh, do you think that having a network is an extremely important part of the music industry? Uh, I think it, I, I would say it's probably today I'll say it's number one. Tomorrow I may something say something different, but, you know, I definitely think it's so important, you know, going on someone's Facebook and seeing them passed out in someone's backyard with a bunch of paps around them has never been a very uh, <laughs> flattering thing for a prospective business endeavor. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I try to do it every day. I'm always driving around and I say, have I taken a picture on Instagram yet? Cause Instagram and Facebook, I'm still good, but I, I realize the power of Twitter. So I'm trying to, that's my next endeavor. So hopefully in the next week or so I'll be jumping on that more, but I would say networking who, you know, is pretty much entirely number one. Yeah, yeah, Twitter is great, but what when you first, you know, when you were first starting out, what were the steps you took to begin networking? You know, how did you approach that to start building your network in the first place? Um, being crafty with the internet. Uh, I always had good teachers, and so I knew I could always count on them, but I could only count on them for so much. But I guess uh, that was kind of a side note, but. Um, the internet, you know, we have Google. So I'll just give you a quick example. Say I want to get in with Mumford and Sons, just a random group. So I would Google them. I would find all the band members' names so I didn't know them already. Then I'd find their label. And then I look on their label, see where their label's located, see if I know any musicians in that town. 
and you know xyz you know it's a small music world and someone knows someone and someone has their number and someone's their friend and someone's their enemy so it may take a few you may be a few links down the chain to eventually get to where you're trying to go but i think uh the internet and uh perhaps this idea that we can kind of see who knows who via facebook and all these things can really play into our uh ability to get further yeah it's such a huge tool to have and if you really just dig deep like you were doing and like i've done you can get a hold of people that are willing to help you in any way possible i mean everybody that has learned something and has made success with their life wants to help other people Uh, they want to show other people how they did it to save them time and, and to reduce that learning curve so yeah it's it's crazy how powerful it is and the internet's still a baby too that's the scary part yeah. So <clears throat> just curious, what makes music so great to you? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I like making people happy. You know, people are first, music second. That's always been the order of my life, and that always will be. And I really liked how playing music is giving me the opportunity to meet people and to uh, experience people that I would otherwise have nothing in common with, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, breaks across language barriers and everything else. And I forget who said it, but I was actually listening to an interview a few days ago. And uh, the interviewee said, you know, you don't often meet people who say, oh, I don't like music, you know. They may not like a certain genre, but how often do you meet someone who just goes, oh, I don't like music? Mm-hmm. You'd so, be surprised. There's quite a few in Kentucky. <laughs> oh, man, my heart is breaking. I, ho- I hope they don't come to the show on hey, Friday. It's it's uh, it's a sad reality out here. Oh, man. Uh, I don't get it either. I immediately end the conversation if someone says that to me. <laughs> There's nothing else that needs to be said. Yeah. Okay, what do you like? Yeah. So looking back, you know, is there anything that you would do differently if you could start all over? Yeah, um, you know, while I'm young, while I would, you know, younger and like a super sponge, I would tell myself to learn more instruments, learn more languages. You know, I think we would all tell ourselves to go back and be way more productive with our time than we were. Do you how many languages do you speak? Uh, I speak a pretty good amount of Korean, and that's from my uh, international high school. And uh I studied Spanish for about five years, and I've been to Mexico quite a few times for uh, musical performances and stuff. So I'd say Spanish, English, and Korean. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. We're we've got a little bit of a goal, uh, Lindsay and I, to learn Thai because we're going to go visit her cousin in Thailand next year, and so that'd be quite a challenge to to learn. That's going to be. Let me know how that works out. That's <laughs> very. When I hear people speaking it, I, I am baffles me. Yeah, my your head just explodes. Pretty much. Yeah, I always took German in school, so it's uh, quite the opposite realm. Uh, if if you could spend one hour creating something with anybody from the past or present, who would it be, and what would you create? Wow. Huh. Ooh, that's a question right there. Yeah, so many options, huh? Do. I'm someone who kind of goes through phases, you know, and while there are some people that kind of keep going along throughout my life, I'm generally going through phases of people. Um, Hmm. Well, right now I'm trying to get better with, I guess, electronic software and producing and stuff. So I guess any kind of famous producer, I suppose, 
uh, in a way, right now, I guess it would be Bruno Mars, actually. I'm really in love with uh, everything he does, singing, dance-wise, you know, his... Uh, Choreography. Producer. Yeah, choreographer. Uh, he's a wonderful producer, you know. He's produced all kinds of hits for a bunch of other artists. Mm-hmm. And so I guess kind of write him because those are all skill sets at this point in my life that I need to uh, get better at. Yeah, you know, another guy who puts on a fantastic show from a choreograph standpoint, David Byrne. From the Talking oh, really? Heads, yeah, man, he he gets in there and gets down. He brings out the chair props and everything. Oh man! So I didn't see it coming. <laughs> Blindsided me, but it was awesome. I'm gonna check that out. Let's say there's a little Jake about there somewhere who's willing to put in the time, sweat, you know, blood hours and and tears to become a musician full time when when he grows up. What is one thing that he can go out and do today to get started? Hmm. Uh, I think be a good person. It's weird because you're like, wait, that's not related to music, but it's so important because if you're a difficult person to deal with, no one wants to spend 12 hours going on a plane to China with you. If you know, and all these other things and be in hotel rooms and live around you and all these things, or even deal with you. So I would say the number one thing you can do to better your music career, any kind of career is just to be a positive person that people want to you know, spend their time with, uh, musically, I would say, you know, be, be the best musician, uh, you can, uh, a big hero of mine who I got a chance to play with once, his name's Christian Scott. He's a trumpet player. He always says, uh, the, the more of an exponent you are on your instrument, the harder it's going to be to replace you, you know? In the world we live in, you know, you're someone else who can do the same job as you as a phone call away. And as a instrumentalist, you got to be the best. You know, if I'm going to be a piano player, I need to be the best piano player I could be. If I'm going to be a saxophone player, best saxophone player I could be. So be as irreplaceable on your instrument as you could possibly be. Yeah, man, that's great advice. Uh, do Do you think it was harder for you to get started? I know you were kind of doing this since you were young, but when you really started playing gigs and supporting yourself financially, do you think it was harder to get started or to keep going? I, w- I would say keeping it going is always uh, harder. Uh, once you get started, you're generally hooked in with a certain crowd of working people and stuff like that. But to keep it going, you know, everyone goes through dry spells and artists you're working with have up periods and down periods. It's kind of the nice thing about living in L.A. is I can do a hip-hop gig one day, but then I can go do a death metal gig the other day kind of thing, you know? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I would say keeping it going is probably the most fun endeavor but it's also the most scariest and necessary endeavor (laughs) so you're probably doing different things every single day uh, whether it be phone calls or uh, networking or playing gigs and I'm sure it is pretty exciting yeah it's exciting because so far I haven't fallen flat on my face yet I'll I'll get back to you on that one (laughs) all right Jacob well we're getting close to uh, the time limit here in I've got some closing questions to ask you before we say goodbye. But this next question is my favorite of the interview. And uh, if you had to battle Godzilla, uh, how would you use your creativity and talents to defeat that big bastard? Oh, man. All right. First, I would need definitely to, you know, be Edward Forty Hands beforehand. <laughs> to even have the slight courage to battle Godzilla. 
Damn. Hmm. I don't know. When you first said that, I got like this Pied Piper idea, you know, get my saxophone and lure a bunch of people towards him. But then they would just get killed and not really defeat him. I guess I could get like a big megaphone thing and try deafening him. But I don't know. I saw Godzilla in theaters like, you know, two weeks ago or whatever it was. And I don't know how the hell anyone would do anything against them. So, uh, oh, I know what I would do. I would get my saxophone. And I would wake up all the other sleeping dormant monsters around Earth to try and gang up on them. <laughs> Boom. Bring them back. Yeah, perfect. All right, cool. Uh, do you have any favorite advice, resources, or tools that you use that you think would be of value to our listeners to share with them? Uh, Facebook and Google, you know, and stuff everyone uses. But there's this cool website I saw recently. It's called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R. It's basically a website where people offer services for $5. Anything from I'll sing you a song in a chicken costume to I'll create a web, web you know, design logo or something like that. I definitely think that's a great mindset that we all need to start getting in is how can we be unique and offer a service? You know, yeah, and- man, it's very cool. I get on there all the time and it's – I love the share economy. I really do. Uh, I think it's creative and exciting. So are you are you making transactions on Fiverr? Uh, I'm not, but I'm getting a ton of ideas. I bet you could make make a pretty good uh, amount of money on there, just ripping out you know sax solos for thirty seconds for people. You know what? Actually, I, I may hit you up on that. Watch out! Watch out, world! I may be on Fiverr. You should. <laughs> There's all sorts of people on there that you know with guitars and things that make. 30 second clips because there's the podcast industry is pretty big and in Russia it's huge. I mean, huge. And there's all these intros and outros, and uh, you know, there's all sorts of different reasons that people would want something like that. So, royalty free, they pay five bucks and it's theirs. Mm. How can our listeners find you or get in contact with you if they want to? Uh, I say Facebook so much. It's like I almost endorse them. But uh, yeah, Facebook, uh, email. If you can find my phone number, it's on my Twitter. It's on my Instagram. Uh, I try to make myself as approachable as possible. You know, you can call me at 3 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon and I'll I'll respond. You know, the only time I won't respond is if I'm on a date. <laughs> that <laughs> never happens, so don't worry about that one. Or if I'm playing a show. So uh, I guess – you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. I'm the only Jacob Sesney on the planet, so it won't have a hard time finding me. So you're not up there like tweeting and playing the sax at the same time? <laughs> you know, I need to start doing that. So watch out. There, there's going to be more of that. Where do you think the, uh, the, the coolest country that you've ever been is? I love uh, Malaysia. The food, um, the amount of different cultures that are present there uh pretty much per day i was spending five u.s dollars and that would cover all my meals breakfast lunch dinner and snacks it was pretty crazy uh it was just really pretty uh you know the climate was nice so yeah i'd say penang malaysia so were you playing out there yeah we were doing this uh jazz festival and it was crazy there's people love creative music everywhere except america loves creative (laughs) music yeah well we we just got back from new orleans jazz fest down there and there was some quite a few fans of creative music there but then you come back to these places like 
you know, Kentucky and it's kind of start <laughs> losing faith. Oh man. That's cool. You're a jazz fuzz though. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So, well, Jacob, you know, thank you so much for being the archerpreneur now. Oh, and man, Jacob, time. <laughs> as you progress and you eventually blow this world up because you will uh, just make sure you always remember to keep it heady because I know you won't have a problem keeping it funky. Oh, promise, man. I'll be back. Whenever you want me, I'll be here. Yeah, we'll, we'll get you, you know, let's just schedule one every three months for the rest of your life, and we'll see the scale that, that you achieve along the way. Then we'll document it all and put it on the Internet. How about that? I want a T-shirt if that's going <laughs> to Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur Now podcast. For all the show notes and more information, please visit artsynow.com. That's A-R-T-S-Y now.com. Thank you. The music for this podcast was provided by Shaky Feeling out of Ventura, California. For more information, please visit shakyfeeling.com. Keep it funky.